Welcome to the Strange O'Clock podcast with Michael and Jerry, and we have our renowned world occult crime Christian investigator and attorney and author and podcaster, uh, which is in the, the top 1% podcasts of the world. So we welcome you back, William Ramsey. This is the second time for me, and this is the, I think, second or third time for Michael. Is that right, Michael? Mike and I have oh, done a done number of shows. A number of yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah, we've done on okay, uh, several then. Yeah, Chesterton. We've done. What else have we done? Done a number. Of, we've done yeah, at least four or five. I shared my testimony about the family and the, the children right. of God the cult, and uh, a lot of fun stories, and just a lot of crisscrossing throughout the years, and sharing your show on the Fringe Radio Network. It's been a great honor to to uh, be friends. Yeah, likewise, William. So, looking forward to this conversation. Right. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. We're happy that, that you're on board. Thank you so much uh, for being patient. Uh, William, I know that we've uh, on both ends had to reschedule due to various things, but two months later, here we are. Thank God. Thank God for you, William, and thank God for you, Michael. And um, so I'm so glad that that uh, you all are on board with this. So I had just been listening and watching uh, William's uh, interesting, one of uh, William's interesting and amazing videos on his uh, website, which is WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. So he's got amazing, interesting, uh, and profound, and some would say disturbing, <laughs> because anytime you expose the darkness, it's going to be disturbing. So you have to be in the mood for it, for sure. Uh, so pray before you read it or watch it, um, because it definitely is something that exposes the darkness from, from a biblical perspective. So I, I just got done watching uh, Alistair Crowley, uh, it's not Crowley, folks. Alistair Crowley, Prophet of Evil. And it was really intense. And uh, we can see, uh, like, he's like an octopus. He, he has tentacles reached to every, almost every aspect of society. Uh, but he's, he's not the progenitor of evil, of course. The enemy, Lucifer, Satan is. Uh, but he's like the, he's carrying the, the evil torch uh, for, for the enemy. So, uh, so William, um, let me ask this. Uh, so out of, all of the, these evil guys, be they Aleister Crowley or Anton LaVey and Michael Aquino or what have you, who do you think would is the most sinister and why? Well, I think it's Crowley. I think you have to go back because he's influenced all of them and all, so many of the people that are walking around today. So, I mean, he meant to kind of compile all occult knowledge and really kind of set the standard and kind of push forward or bring back into the public consciousness all these old ideas that you know, pertain back to biblical times, the evil ideas. So I think that he's definitely the most, and almost all of these occultists uh, use Crowley as some kind of either basis or stepping stone. So they go through a Crowley phase where they learn about him and then branch off and do their own thing. So I'd, I'd have to put Crowley really at the top. And I think he meant to leave a written record. That was his idea. He was really a literature, like a literary figure. And uh, so his rituals and what he wrote and the book of the law, I think, is why we are and the, all these other people have branched out from him. It really is really incredible because I've done fairly decent amount of research into a lot of these guys, whether it's LaVey, Aquino, Myatt, Eccles, uh, Genesis P. Orge, and they all have a they all have a Crowley um pedigree of one sort or another. They either knew the Crowleyites, they knew what they were up to, and they defined themselves either as Crowleyites or Thelemites. Or said, I'm going to do something different than that. So it is interesting. Like William, the Crowley's... Um, 
Yeah, get into detail with the the Crowleyites, like how how his work kind of continued into today. Yeah, well, he died in 1947, but there was somebody he supposedly handed off the reins to. His name was Grady McMurtry, who was supposedly going to be the next kind of Crowley. And there were arguments about him, but he actually ended up in the Bay Area. So he was in Berkeley kind of practicing the OTO. There was an OTO chapter there. And the guys, Mm -hmm. LeVay and Aquino, knew of him. And there was like... They were socialized together strangely, and like they, uh, wow. there's sequences in my book *Prophet of Evil* where, like, uh, Grady McMurtry, Robert Anton Wilson, and Jacques Vallée, the UFO guy, are all talking about alien wow. entities together. Yeah, so wow. you wow. can see that culture. I think in the the occult, they would call it a current, like a magical current. So you carry it out. And the reason I use the ter- term "children of the beast" is because a lot of these magician guys. They'll have somebody they want to train or carry on, and they'll call them their magical children. So they're not obviously wow. not their genetic children, but people who have that kind of occult uh, interest. So um, I think mm. that yeah, there's there's wow. a lot of kind like the cult. Mur- Murtry was known; he was like a known entity. People knew him, and he carried on and, and initiated people who've initiated people. Who are around in a cult practicing occultists today? There's there's more than you people might think. So it's kind of like the evil version of the fringe Christian community stemming from Future Quake that had everybody, Derek Gilbert and Peter Goodgame and you and others, and then you know, Canary Cry, and then all the people they birthed, and then we're right. here now, like interviewing. It's like that same kind of concept of passing on the torch, that information. I agree. You, I one mean, of the questions. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I was just going to say that you see yeah. the old, like at the beginning of the, you know, after the Lord passed or was resurrected, uh, how many people right. it went through from the, you know, the original uh, apostles to Paul and yeah. how many people Paul influenced and how. And you can read that really in the very beginning of the uh, Christian history. You can see people who were baptized by Peter, who then wrote the earliest histories, earliest not the gospels, but some of the very like first, I think second century histories, like said, like they knew Peter. So uh, I think within Christianity, there is that there are those kind of uh, kind of spiritual children, Christian children who, you know, carry on what some other people have done. I think that's definitely true. One of the things, William, that I remember from your occult Hollywood part two uh, video uh, was something I did not know about was that almost every, almost with an asterisk, not every, but almost every major Hollywood movie that there is a reason for it. And it's usually to, to give glory to the dark side uh, that, that there are euphemisms for ritual sacrifice, ritual. uh, There's uh, also, there seems to be uh, metaphors for, for God, um, or is that the right word? I'm sorry, that there seems to be uh, archetypes for God, archetypes for Satan. And usually in these, uh, these movies, it's, it's a, the story is flip-flopped because most people believe that God is good, you know, unless you're, you know, of, you know, Luciferian or satanic, but most people believe that God is good. Even, even those who aren't even Christian, they believe that there's a higher power that's benevolent, so uh, what Luciferianism or Gnosticism attempts to do in especially these movies is they flip-flop, as, you, as we all know, they flip-flop the story that, that they make uh, Satan or Lucifer the good guy. 
and then God, the evil guy. Uh, so that seems to be prevalent in a lot of movies. But one of the things that I thought was interesting um, in the, the Fight Club movie, which I haven't seen, but I know generally the story of it, uh, was that the soap represents what? Sacrifice, human sacrifice. Yeah. And how did you find that out? How did you find I read out the, the book. backstory? Yeah. Well, I read oh, the book. Read I read it. the original okay. book and, and Chuck Palahniuk's book. It's based upon a book of somebody who's really kind of in the what would be described as transgressive literature or kind of counterculture literature. So he's part of this kind of vein, kind of like uh, Burroughs or another guy got some people don't know enough about. His name is George Bataille. But Palniak is part of that. So this kind of like countercultural idea. So I read the book and that's how I understood wow. the symbolism that isn't pointed out in the, the movie. So people can see this. They're being exposed to it, but not uh, consciously. So all of the posters and art and the theme in the film is like they're always making the soap, but they don't talk about it as sacrifice. And there's a huge amount. And later on in the film, the film kind of blinks at it. But later on in the actual book, these people who are uh, the narrator, you never really know his name, but he is actually supposed to show proof of human sacrifice to uh, Tyler Durden. He's supposed to show these, uh, what is it, not identity cards, like driver's license, says to, to uh, Tyler Durden as proof of the, that he's committed these human sacrifices. So their murders are seen in that way. And that's left out in the in the film. They may have tried to enter it in but it was probably too scandalous i don't know i don't know wow. what happened i do know fincher uh is an interesting character he's probably in the uh transgressive film category not literature but uh i mean i haven't read all the palniak stuff but i've known that he's been involved in some his writing styles and stuff he knows uh would indicate to me that he he's familiar with like initiation and monastic kind of lives like in the book, you can see that the whole fight, the whole like Project Mayhem is some kind of initiatory monastic order, like a like an occult order where you have to, wow. you know, perform duties to kind of, you know, get up. And then it, it, if you've watched the film, it accelerates. It's kind of like this theme that is in the far right where they want to accelerate the downfall of civilization. And that's what Tyler Durden wants. And it's kind of interesting because when I first watched Fight Club, my per perception of tyler durden was kind of like a charismatic anti-hero charismatic anti-hero but now i see him as like a chaos magician obviously tyler durden is five and a six right so you've got the number of 11 which ties back to crowley and which crowley used which is was his prime number of magic it's really the number of the new aeon and you'll see that reflected in harry potter as well so uh wow. yeah he, they're smart like when you really take apart uh, what is the real stuff, the references in Fight Club, it becomes pretty apparent that uh, Palniak knows a lot about the occult or esotericism. Wow, interesting. And my understanding well, is that he lives on some kind of like uh, <clears throat> compound or something like that too, like where who knows what goes on in there, I don't know. Really? And he was part of something called, he was part of like a secret group. They called themselves the I can't remember what it was, but they were involved in kind of culture jamming. So he was involved in like public stunts and stuff like that. It was called something society, like the comedian society. I can't remember it offhand. I, I could find it. But... So you see that kind of stuff reflected wow. in the whole, all the narrative of, of Fight Club. Wow. Right. Because no, nobody mentions Fight Club. 
Nobody talks about Fight Club, right? That's true. So it's right. like a secret society. So you know what's going on, but nobody else is supposed to know. And at the end of that film, it's like people are nodding at each other and recognizing each other, but not ever mentioning why they know each other. So it is a secret society. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But never openly. So you have that last there. scene too, like all the buildings falling, and it came out just year just a few years before 9-11. And watching that footage that you put in your documentary, uh, Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11, and the New World Order, which people need to go buy and watch on Vimeo. You can also rent it. Very, very worth your time. Incredibly well-documented, painstakingly edited. When you watch those, those, the footage of the Twin Towers falling, one of the most interesting things is that the Marriott building, I think it was, or the Hilton was Hilton. facing these twin towers falling and that itself was the kind of the uh monolith whatever the uh monolith from 2001 yeah. it looks like our cell phones i just there's so much to that I, I feel like we could do a series of shows just on that but just that shape is not an like... accident it's not an accident in 2001 so they i think they knew what they were doing arthur c clark was there and uh they're I mean, brilliant guys. Like some blown. of these occultists are smart. Yeah. yeah. And if you look at the actual yeah. design of the Georgia Guidestones, they are monoliths. They're the same shape. It's all intentional. And did you look at the actual the figures of like the actual dimensions of any of this stuff? Or is it just kind of overall they basically look like well? Well, I do these. know the dimensions. I do know the dimensions of the monolith in um 2001. Do you want to guess how tall it was? Oh gosh, eleven it's feet. 11, right. <laughs> yes. It's an it's an eleven by nine by three, which is very you know almost very Crowleyan. So it's wow. eleven feet tall. Now he was actually, if you read the uh, book about the creation of two thousand one, it's not the author's name, but yeah. they were going to use like the box of of Saturn, like the black box of Saturn, but then they upgraded it to this kind of new monolith for for some reason. But it has all the numer. Uh, Numerology, numerology of like the occult in there, which Clark knew. If you read some of other Clark's books, he knows the occult numerology, the eleven seventy seven, all the stuff ninety three. So he was initiated of some sort. And there's a picture of him, I think, in one of my documentaries with the monolith in the background, and he was a character too. I saw wow. that. Yeah, he was like, wow. like to hang out at at pinball. I mean, ping pong places and pick up boys and stuff. He was a piece of work. That was all that was actually covered. It's actually been scrubbed from the internet. Was his pension for young Sri Lankan boys like he would pay him money? And uh, it was all it was all scrubbed. I have copies of all that stuff. But... Oh my gosh. So Arthur C. Clarke was into little boys, teen, I don't know, teen kids. I don't really know the totality, but he admitted to it. He admitted that he was in it. And there's very strong themes. Of pedophilia through Kubrick too, not just Lolita, but Eyes Wide Shut is redolent with like a young kid traumatizing type yes. stuff, imagery and things like that. So that's a whole nother show. Like I've done a full show of Eyes Wide Shut with Sean McCann. Like, and just for, I think we spent four hours just going through Eyes Wide Shut because it's like a visual uh, artifact of all of that stuff. Like painstakingly detailing everything what what he was trying to say. Uh, Kubrick knew probably from the inside. He was probably exposing it. But the, interestingly, Fight Club, Eyes Wide Shut, Ninth Gate, Matrix, all 1999 films. Oh. Yeah, so really kind wow. of like at the end of an age, kind of like a weird 
like i think the timing isn't a mistake that all of those films came out like that like okay we're gonna do this have you ever looked at back to the future and how there's all this weird 9-11 uh symbology of like going from the photo booth to the movie theater to the television screen to kind of just vr have you ever seen yeah, any of those no, kind of i've that seen research? that analysis yeah there is like twin there's like a twin peaks or twin trees symbol there there's all and there's like a 9-11 backwards or upside down so it seems like they knew what's going on there too so when I was a kid in the 80s, it was like every single day, cable TV had Back to the Future playing over and over and over and over again. Like they prepared it as almost like a brainwashing thing. Like, OK, this is important. Like you guys need to this is the the portal into the future, you know, that we're going to go into. And now here we are. And, you know, I almost wanted to grab Derek Gilbert and shake him and be like, why are we still doing conferences? Why are we still writing books? You know, here we are. It's it's happening. You know, I was just right, in San Diego. Happening. I visited LA too. And I'm kind of like, well, what's the big picture here? Like, it's everything we've been talking about. You guys have been talking about. It's coming true. We're in this. We just went through two years of lockdowns. They're getting ready for the next thing. They're Russia to, looks yeah. more Christian right. than the West. They probably yeah. are. Yeah, they you are. Well, is... Putin flat out said that the U.S. was run by Satanists, and he's right. He's absolutely right. They're not. Yeah, uh, right. Don't see him with Christians or any Christian imagery or anything. They don't even fake about it now. So he's right. And the whole just, war. Like, is what is gorgeous. your dialysis? Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say it's an unnecessary war. You're making money for all the the military countries, um, companies, and things like that, and adjusting society, right. just like Orwell would say. Like always, this war always benefits people at the top. And churns through people and they're going to try to get the american people involved in it and there's no reason we have no interest over there the russians have always been sensitive about their borders all the way back to napoleon the war of 1812 wow. was a very important event for them napoleon invaded and went all the way to moscow and burnt it to a crisp and they fought them all the way back to france actually the russians did and then the same thing happened in uh was it june 22nd 1941 the germans with all these other wow. european allies invaded and it was a war of extermination it's not wasn't like a normal war. Hitler made an extermination order. Kill everybody. These people are not worth anything. They're subhuman. So they murdered and raped and did just unspeakable depravity and the whole generations were gone. Like the there like the ages between 16 and 35, 80% of those people men died. They did not make it. So it was a war of, of survival. So I'd be wow. pretty sensitive. Nothing like what the US has gone through. Civil war was bad. But nothing like that. So you're you, the people who run the foreign policy of this country know that they're just lying to the American people, just like they're lying to them about everything. These are the most evil people ever to run the United States government, in my opinion. So the whole it has there's all kinds of things involved. Zelensky was installed by the U.S. He's really just a front for the U.S. interests. So they've lied right. about that. They've lied. They're out going after Christians. They got rid of any oppositional yes. parties it's a it's a tyrant state run by a tyrannical government here in, in the united states and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be interested in any kind of conflict and risking nuclear war over this is that couldn't be more stupid and you have two two total idiots in power now in biden and uh kamala harris they're not obviously not running anything but that's really right. even more scary because they somehow people got into power with no tie to the american electorate like usually how the way it works mm -hmm. is like people actively vote and then they get the people they want and with the assumption that those people will represent them that's not no longer that the case so uh not in good it's really in a really grim situation like i'm scared i'm scared 
I mean, when you have these type, you don't have John F. Kennedy trying to, you know, go through back channels to alleviate the tensions. You just don't see that. Right. So um, it's not good. It's a terrible situation. Imagine if we got nuked over something as stupid as the Ukraine borders. Like, right, right. Then a lot of those people's flat out. I mean, they're not telling the American public. They're literal Nazis. Like the Azov Battalion is a bunch yes. of Nazis. And those are the people that are we're supporting. So how is that the case? Like people are complaining about Nazis. Like, why are you giving these guys money? So it's just right. a huge, gigantic waste. And and now those border states, there's always been, they're not like solidified border states. Those borders have always moved all the way back to the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire, Poland, and all those things that are a little bit more fluid in their perceptions. And I think that's real than anything like the states of the United States here. Because just after wars, World War One, World War Two, things got shifted around. So I think the Russian perception exactly. is like, well, these are Russian people. They should belong with us. I think it's rational. I think it makes sense. Sure. Like the Crimea should be with Russia or these people. The states, if they, and that's really self-determination, right? So if it's self-determination, those people vote to, they want to be with Russia. Why aren't they being with Russia? And why are we worried about it? So it's, they're lying. The, the American elite are lying. They're totally corrupt, totally evil. Right. Don't get me started. We could do a whole show. (laughs) You know, my husband is Ukrainian, and uh, it's it's hard for his family to to believe that that Putin isn't evil, just because his his mother and his grandmother and uh, you know, like for these generations, they were they were really um, persecuted by the Russians, and so now when we have a false flag situation where uh, Putin is actually possibly the good guy in all of this, uh, then they, they can't believe that. And then, of course, the media you know, paints Putin and, and the Russians as, as being bad, you know. So, yeah, the media is definitely uh, social engineering and, and trying to sway us and, you know, what have you. Uh, William, um, referring back to the number thing, um, so we know that they uh, the occult numbers are 11. That appears quite a bit. And uh, 93, uh, 77. What what is the deal with these numbers? Uh, so I I can actually see where there's something there might be something blasphemous with regards to uh, the number eleven and thirty three because I think the Freemasons really hone in on the, the number thirty three because that's when Jesus died. It's kind of like a haha, your your God died at age thirty three or the or Godson died at age thirty three and and eleven because it's also like a a they think it's like a mocking number because there were 12 disciples of Jesus and then um, then one committed suicide, Judas. So now there were 11. So they, they hone in on these numbers because it's like a mockery towards Christianity. So what, what, are the, what is the significance behind no, the number 93 though? I can, I can understand 77 because it's like double, it's like, it's like they're doubling up on doubling up the number 11, of God. Yeah. And it kind what of like goes into these computations. Yeah. There's 77 names of the devil in, oh um, wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, in the uh, was it the Satanic Bible? So seventy-seven goes in and then like adds up to like the Lady Babylon, the kind of evil representation of Crowley. And so uh, the ninety-three is really specific to Crowley's system. So he always did this stuff, gematria. He was believed in the Kabbalah. Words had numerical values. You would take them in English and add them up. And he found that kind of the two kind of he had kind of a dilettante grasp of latin and greek but in greek uh it added up philema and agape added up in his system to 93 and so philema was the name of his religion so it was easier for him to just 
shorthand at 93 and then agape was you know his idea of love so he took to signing some of his letters 93 93 93 Wow. And 93 can corresponds to like it's 93 million miles from the earth to the sun. There's all kinds of weird 93 numbers, kind of like the 23 wow. enigma. But it became some kind of shorthand within the Thelemic uh, community. And so that's why that's, uh, I think something else like I was actually added up to 93 too. So all these things like that for Crowley is like a huge correspondence. So in the magical worldview, it's not like synchronicity. It's kind of like these all correspond. Therefore, these numbers have meaning through all planes of uh human existence or whatever but yeah 11 really goes into the goes back to the golden dawn the number 11 was always associated with like evil and corruption and then it became a number in book of the law that was uh there was actually a phrase in there saying all of those who are of us are of the number 11 or something like that i can't remember verbatim so the 11 kind of cut there and then his whole thing do it that will should be the whole laws 11 uh, words and 11 syllables so he's always trying to write stuff with kind of a mathematical like Pyth- pythagoras said you can understand the universe through mathematics so these numbers in crowley's system if you have that dictum and that's actually a masonic dictum too but that means that these numbers have kind of a deeper uh psychic magical kind of resonance wow. and so that's why it was 11 was uh, always associated with Crowley. Yeah. And it's also, he actually wrote it, which is interesting, is that 11 wasn't just a number, it was an ideogram. So it was a representation of two separate things coming apart. And it just t- ties right into kind of 9-11, these two huge numbers who could be an 11, which are 110 stories tall, like literally. And wow. also seen as a, as a, yeah, they're 110 stories tall. And I mean, they're built on all kinds of crazy magical principles and numbers and you broke into three parts so it's a huge 33 you know the sun rises and sets at the 33 degree or something like that a certain parts oh, of the day then, yeah so wow. yeah there's tons and there's all kinds of labels of stuff in there that are like associated with temples they call it the spherical caryatid which is like a temple uh statuary or something like that so it's just really something else the way that they they spent time putting that together yeah but yeah 11 like yeah the ideogram interest is an interesting element of weighing uh, a way to look at that those two numbers together but you see that oh, harry man. potter has all that stuff harry potter like they had it down right when that book came out they had all of the numbers down harry potter was an 11 right it's 11 letters five and a six so it's the coming together of the pentagram and the hexagram right the uh microcosm macrocosm these are like standard magical sensibilities where the magician's supposed to be bringing these together and then harry potter's wand is 11 inches long too so they when they put that book out they did it that was a huge cultural engineering program and i did i did got a paper of a guy by the name of miles mathis who traced jk rowling she chose the the letter k as her middle name too which is uh, guess what number of the alphabet that is but she Yeah, she has a pedigree. She is a landed kind of gentry in the UK. So a lot of her stories about like being a poor single mom in a um, pub writing this out is, just doesn't hold water. She's very sophisticated. <laughs> Whoever wrote that book was very sophisticated because they did something very clever, much cleverer than I think the public realizes is that they had the muggles, which is the normal non-magical people. They're all fat slobs and clumsy and oafish. <laughs> and then they had Harry Potter and then they had Voldemort in this bad evil. 
but Harry Potter's doing the magic in between this evil. So he's the good magician. He's the white magician against the mundane slobs. The, the ONA uses the word mundane. It's very curious that they came up with muggles. But it's also like a contemptuous view towards the average person, which I think is very common in kind of oh, magical worldview, the occult worldview. You're all just a big bunch of like um, cattle, I think the way they look at it. But yeah, so they place Harry Potter uh, the, in the Potter is what? The alchemy, right? So you're taking the clay and turning it to gold. And that's his whole path. Ooh. He's on an alchemical path. But they wow. place Harry Potter, so he's not really the evil magician. He's using magic and sorcery for the betterment or whatever. The, he's actually using it for the better of uh, Hogwarts, right, and himself. So right. they were clever. So wow. like they're putting it so people can. And there's actual people have told me there's literal, real magical spells in that book. I haven't. I don't. I've not verified that, but I believe it. I did hear that as well, Michael. Oh, very clever. And that's just another assault on like uh, society, really another kind of aeonic change agent. Because that that's the, one of the most influential book, uh, film series ever made, created and book series. Right. Oh, yeah. And I think they have a oh, Crowley yeah. figure in there. Rise of the Phoenix, Crowley's magical name. One of his other magical names was Phoenix. So they have a guy oh, wow. in there. They have a guy in one of the movies that looks like a dapper Crowley, like dressed out and kind of... Uh, you know, tweeds or whatever with a bald head. There's there's a character I've seen in there. I don't know wow. who he really is. I don't know. I haven't studied it in great detail, unfortunately. Watching your documentary on Crowley, he this guy really liked to take lots of pictures of himself. A lot of them are naked. You know, I had to hide my child's eyes <laughs> today. I was trying to get ready for the interview tonight and just um but he was really trying to be kind of a diva pop star, uh also a bit of a troll too to to a lot of the yeah, poets yeah, and yeah, uh influencers of his era before television i mean really and trying to meet with these these big writers and poets and chesterton wouldn't even name him but he wrote like a an essay to him which you told me about yeah. um william there a mutual friend jay dyer talks a lot about the james bond kind of the the ethos and the history of James Bond dating back through the Rockefellers and their connection to the Queen and 007 being double O two ball cane two balls cane a cane to the Queen so a lot of weird magical language there that you just that's how me of. John D remind, uh, signed himself that was his signature was Tubal Cane or whatever 007 yeah was there any connection with Crowley to the greater kind of the Illuminati 13 families and the, the you know, the, the Royal families and the, you know, the, all of not, those people, not overt, but he only, he was very classist. So he was at the highest level of the class at that time, at the very apex of the British empire. Right. So he came from okay. a, a place of very great wealth and he only kind of associated with upper class. He really uh, didn't, you know, he treated other people who weren't of his class with contempt. So uh, he always believed, said, find the diamonds and polish them. So he never really was like, we're going to go off and try to create a huge social movement. But uh, hmm. so I don't know like how much of his overlapping. He had to come in contact with people who were in kind of the royal family, but not really overt. Like he was studied at Cambridge where I think the future king studied. So he he had okay. to know that he when he was initiated into the Golden Dawn, it was like at King's. It was right outside of uh, uh, what's the main castle there with the queen, the Buckingham Palace. 
So, you know, these are places where the elite would hang out. So, uh, but he, like you said, he really wanted to be respected as a first-rate writer, but he never got that respect. He put out a lot of books and things like that, but he never got the respect, but he always was in contact with Hemingway and uh, Somerset Uh Maugham, people who were respected, who were and became well-known and really are historical figures. And he knew Fleming, actually. Fleming knew him. There was a writing when they okay. captured uh Hess, captured Hess in northern Scotland or in northern UK. I think it was in 41 or 42. Um he sent something that's in the he sent something to Fleming's boss and said, Hey, if you want me to kind of like debrief this guy, I know a lot and here's the people I know and I'd be happy to help the service, you know, to do it. So Fleming was aware of them and wow. based one of his characters on Crowley, who's named the Shift who's like a fat, bald guy, how Crowley in later <laughs> days became, like, apparently he was a good-looking guy when he was younger, but when he got older, he had bags yes. around his eyes and went bald and uh, was a junkie. So uh, this the shift character, I think it's from Casino Royale, is Crowley. It's uh, very oh. I was really surprised, really, really surprised, because, I'll, I mean, every single picture that a lot of people know, Alistair Crowley of Crowley is of the, the fat, bald guy. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be judgmental, but, you know, since he was an evil dude, we'll, we'll call him a fat, bald guy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, well, when it, with the photos of him when he first got married to, uh, to his first wife, 29 years old, I was like, oh, okay, so he's totally a different... Uh, obviously, you know, everybody was young at one point, so he wasn't always a fat, bald guy. You know, he was young with hair and, you know, that type of thing. Um, they said that he dressed kind of like a dandy at the end of the 19th century when he was at Cambridge. He would wear the kind of big collars and the long, flowing white, I don't even know what the fabric is, chiffon or something like that. So he dressed kind of like, uh, you know, what would it be like a sophisticated i don't know what the dandy would translate to but just flowery clothes really <laughs> so he went through different yeah. phases there's no question but he always had really good taste they say that he had you know was he was a man of style and taste best clothes best food best wines he was a sophisticated wine drinker chef but yeah he got he got older he didn't age well he didn't take care of himself he was on doing tons of drugs and you know living a kind doing of doing evil uh, stuff evil stuff yeah Right. William, oh, do you do think? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's fascinating to just look at this man's life because he really did believe in himself. I see that. But do you feel like he was kind of just doing a lot of hoopla, blah, 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 like I want to make a cult, I'm going to be this, I'm going to have my own religion, whatever. Or do you feel like he was really tapped into the source of evil in a, in a way, like just somehow? I think both. Well, I think what both. do you think? I think both. Okay. I think really what set him aside is that he had money and intelligence. So there's other people mm-hmm. who might be into the occult, but don't have that kind of impact. So I think he was kind yeah. of in the right place at the right time to make an impact, but he carried on kind of that tradition. He, his biggest influence was Eliphas Levy, who literally died the same year that Crowley was born, 1875. And Crowley died in 1947. So I think that it was both. I think he was always trying to tap in. He was trying to get energy. And he said, I mean, I, I've never practiced magic. I've talked to these guys, the occult rejects. They say it works. And so for Crowley, when he would do some of the stuff, like he said, he could write for three days. And his output, his his literary output is voluminous. It's really encyclopedia. He put out an encyclopedia. So something's going on there. But he really, I mean, he said, and I quote in my book, he wanted to become the devil's chief of staff. So I think that, um, I think he achieved that. I think he really 
dedicated all his life. People said he was a dilettante or a poser or a dabbler, but not in my mind. He was, I mean, he made it into the head of a German secret society. He wasn't German, but they seemed to respect him enough to uh, make him the outer head of the OTO, which also is an ideogram. You want to talk about two ball cane, the OTO, guess what that represents. So um, the, yeah. So I think that he was a believer. I think he was dedicated for his whole life. I think he dedicated his whole life to the cult, never left. And when the very end, when he was doing massive amounts of heroin, he was still writing letters and they could compile those letters into something called magic without tears. And so Magic Without Tears were kind of like when he was in his late 60s, early 70s, writing people, telling him about magic. So I don't think he ever left it. Uh, so I don't think, I mean, he regretted himself. He had parts of self-analysis where like, am I insane? Uh, so, but uh, he had that vein of kind of anti-Christianity. He wanted to replace Christianity with Crowleyanity. I think that that was right. really his thing. He had some kind of gripe after his dad died and his mom and his uncle and the abuse he endured at some of these, uh, what was it? The uh, prep schools. Yeah, the prep schools. It was the exclusive brethren and stuff. I think it really set him off. And so there, there was kind of like a personality change too. When he was tinkering around with like explosives, he went into a coma. And that may have been like a thing that he got brain damage and changed his life. You can see that in those kind of like visages of pictures of him where he's bald. You can see pockmarks on his face. And those are the old remnants of this thing that blew up in his face and knocked him in unconscious oh. for two days wow. so some people have traced like his personality change to that i don't know they say a lot of serial killers wow. too have brain like damage or that's what drives them on or whatever so it's a mystery i mean i guess everything wow. will eventually be told but yeah Hurley was a true believer all the way to the end he was and they, like i talked about this guy grady mcmurtry they was counseling grady mcmurtry at the beginning of the war mcmurtry would go visit him uh during the war and uh learn from Crowley and said that he still had the attitude of just a total jerk you know like he would scream at carolers and you know just act like a uh, monster so oh totally absolutely so since you mentioned that Alistair Crowley was like the the progenitor of all of this evil stuff in today's society you know it, that's uh in movies and music and what have you so there's two two uh big media things that that uh that are in society uh, that i remember uh, uh alistair crowley having his uh, indirect hand in uh because obviously he died in 1947 i believe so i remember in uh the beatles uh album cover of the Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Band. There's all these people's faces and one of those people's faces is Alistair, Alistair Crowley. And so we want to fast forward all the way up to 2022, the, the second Avatar movie. Um, so the, the blue aliens, they uh, on their earth, uh, they worship uh, a god named uh, Awa. And, and remember our last conversation and you were floored that, that, that the name of their God is Awa because that's the name of the entity that was guiding through automatic writing and, and what have you, uh, Alistair Crowley. Isn't that strange? So, it, so even though it's just a little, a, they take off the S in, in their right. God. Uh, so they, instead of Awas, they, they call their, their earth, mother earth goddess Awa. And then of course, Alistair Crowley calls his his god or or the entity uh, a wasp. So was that was that the entity that controlled him to automatically write uh, the book of the law and these these different yeah. writings? 
Well, he describes it as it stood over his shoulder for three days in April of 1904. And he later reveals in Magic and Theory and Practice that he's Satan, that Awas is just, it means Lord of the Air. So uh, they think that he had to code a lot of his stuff. And a lot of his rituals are totally coded language. You need to kind of be initiated to understand exactly what they say. You can kind of figure it out, but there's a lot of kind of poetic word usage in his uh, in his kind of Libra 11, 22, 33. But yeah, it is interesting. I'm surprised. I'm surprised I didn't ever knew that about uh, Avatar. I haven't seen Avatar, so. But, you know, there's all kinds of, he's actually influenced like rapper. There's this guy called, um, I can't remember it now, but he loves Crowley. He put Do It Thou Will on his back. Jay-Z has Do It Thou Will shirts. I mean, it's incredible how. It is. He across and he was cruelly was super classist and racist. Like he said horrible things about Italians. Like he would just say, wow. Yeah, oh, terrible. Yeah. So uh so yes, for definitely. black people to kind of adopt him him as a as an ideal is a bit uh rich. It's 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 it is right, it's, right. One thing that it, it really does to me to to listen to your just the documentary again, guys, go check out Alistair Crowley. Uh, William Ramsey on Vimeo. We really need to promote this documentary. I, I the links are through my website earlier. They used to work, so you can go to my website and just link yes. to all the films. Okay, well, WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com, and specifically, this is really worth watching multiple times. You should buy it. Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, Nine Eleven, and the World, the New World Order, just tying everything together, but really focusing on this man's life. What it does for me as kind of a wannabe Christian mystic in a way, like I feel a sense of challenge. Like here's this guy that is so devoted to his anti-faith, you know, his faith in the devil. And what are we Christians doing? You know, where is our faith? Like how much do we pray? How much do we seek? This guy goes and he like has his Crowley mansion, Loch Ness Lake. You know, just skin. Yeah, right there, skin. you know, going out there. And I believe it burned down actually like five or six years ago. Yeah, I think um, somebody like a Crowley fan is like rebuilding it right now or trying to get more. Oh, to great. Get rebuild it, yeah. <laughs> but wow. this is this is like you're so on the cusp, like the spear, very tip of the spiritual warfare between the dark side and the light exposing this. Because sometimes we Christians are just like, ah. It's just the dark guys, you know, they're doing their evil things. But no, you need to know about this guy's life because he the reason he's so famous is he was so devoted and he just spent all of his resources and time and energy into the dark side like we should be doing with yeah. the Lord. So yes. I agree. I agree. He was devoted. I mean, that was the whole thing about him is like he could have been talented if he did something else, but he devoted, right. he made some decision to devote his life to that, to occultism. So... I mean, it's, uh, you know, some of these guys are very talented. That's like the thing. Like some of these people, just, they devoted to evil ends and he was absolutely one of them. So. so absolutely. It's... Well, how I was. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, your turn. Your turn. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was, I thought that it was very interesting that uh, in, even if it's not a Gnostic sort of story where the, 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 god and the enemy are flip-flopped where the enemy is the good guy in a movie um i've seen i know there's one movie uh for sure and, and one cartoon uh that's popular that i never ever would have thought that that there was some sort of crowleyanism in it uh but there were so crazy rich asians there's a character 
named Alistair. So I'm like, okay, come on, tell me. So these Singaporeans, I think they were from Singapore, I think. Uh, So these Singaporeans, they've named somebody named Alistair. Come on. You know that there's somebody at at the top of the pyramid of, of the Hollywood food chain that that is also influenced by the enemy who's, who's influenced you know the, well first is the enemy then Aleister Crowley and then we've got you know the Freemasons and you know the Illuminati you know pulling the strings of of different aspects of society uh movies music whatever so we've got the enemy uh, we've got we've got Crowley then we've got the, the Illuminati or Freemasons influencing the, the movies and so you're going to see this out so instead of having an Asian name in one of the so I understand that you know there's going to be American and European names you know in in Asia you know like Asians have all kinds of you know uh, American and European names I mean look at mine Geraldine, <laughs> uh and that's uh, definitely not Asian, but but the name Alistair—that's a very unusual that's very name. Very unusual. Yeah. Yes, and then not only that, but in Big Hero Six, the number six. Uh, so Big Hero Six, uh, uh, there there is uh, somebody also named Alistair. So that that's a head scratcher. Interesting. Yeah, it's not his real name. His real name is Edward. So he changed it in uh, right. college. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not that almost reminds name. me of the. Twilight movies, Edward, and then uh, a lot of these movies have Edward as the protagonist name. Interesting. Yeah, I bet there's a Crowley R archetype all over the place. I heard that like, uh, what was that housewife movies, the Crazy Housewives or something? They had a character named Crowley. Uh, Neil Gaiman has done all kinds of stuff with like the Crowley character or something like that. Like he references Crowley, the gods and monsters wow. thing or something like that. So wow. he is, they've used his like. Uh, yeah, like an archetype of stuff. I mean, he shows up in different art uh, comic books. So he's he's definitely around. Well, we need to rip this root out and expose it into the sunlight because I feel like people are aware of the deep state. You know, Trump's going to obliterate the deep state, blah, blah, blah. Everybody thinks the deep state just started in the last five years. We need to rip out this whole history of this stuff and just expose it and again that's why your work is so seminal and so vital to this overall war operation i feel like we're all doing we're fighting this giant you know hydra on multiple different yeah. uh beaches yeah i mean but, i think um, a lot of your political influencers people in politics have been influenced by crowley there's not overt but i think sure. that uh George Bush, I mean, really, the prophet of evil is really about Bush. It leads up to Bush Sr. Yes. And that Unbelievable. Really 77. Yeah. 77 mm-hmm. on his stuff. Um, he gave that speech on September 11th, 1990. 11 years to the day. Yes. September 11th. Incredible speech. New World Order speech. And it connotes like an incredible control over the political system. And then his son is at the head. I think they've been probably installing our presidents for 30 years, since Kennedy probably, maybe. Uh, I think that Johnson, I mean, they've gotten rid of them too. They have the power, the secret power to get rid of them. They got rid of Kennedy, Johnson, and Nixon all in a row. So that wow. should tell you something. They were all kind of kicked out. Johnson, they just told Johnson, don't go, don't reelect yourself. You know, you're, it's a terrible idea. Just don't do it. And he went, okay. Like a super powerful maniac like Johnson. Like Lyndon Baines Johnson was a lunatic. He was out of his freaking mind. But uh, even he, like, Koto did secret powers, deep, deep state. So I think it just shows like we don't get the we don't get to vote for our people. So right. anyway, but I think that right. my point is, is that these occult ideas and you can trace the bushes 
back through Skull and Bones and their history and oh, I mean, yeah. what, whoever Barbara Bush is. I mean, I, I she looks just like Crowley, so I, I don't know. People yeah, said Barbara it's Bush, possible, yes. but yeah, dude, she they they are like the With same her, like face. There's no differentiation between differentiation between her face and yeah. his. Like it's a carbon yeah. copy. It's incredible. <laughs> It's almost like Alistair with a wig. I agree. I agree. <laughs> like if you shake oh gosh, your it's head, him. She looks <laughs> she's a man, baby. And all that stuff <laughs> is all that stuff, the timing and everything where Crowley was, his attitude, her mom. I forgot what her name, her mom's name was. Pierce. Caroline Pierce. I can't remember. But yeah, she was in like uh France when he was in France. So. Can so I ask the... you quickly oh, about AI? and chat gpt and any of the nefarious have you been following this at all i'm really interested in your take on how now we're suddenly being interfaced with ai in our daily life i mean my wife is using it to do things like to do legal things and you as a as a an attorney you you understand how hard it is to study for the bar exam and pass it this thing is passing the bar exam yeah it's passing that it's also like writing contracts for people adjusting contracts so there's probably right. going to be some kind of AI in every law office around uh, the world, and maybe even. But it's like even the AI. I think it was Chat GPT had a bias, so that's like the real danger. Is like somebody's going to create a satanic yes. version of AI of AI, like a bias for that. Yes. That's what a Christian should be terrified of. Like, oh yeah, no, no, there's no Jesus. Then Jesus didn't exist. Um, there no, there's no such thing as the Bible. I don't know what you're referencing. Imagine if somebody yes, did that. Yes, it only takes one button. I mean, yeah, you can hijack right. ChatGPT with ChatGPT Dan. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, know, but no. I've been. There's basically like John Connor's reprogramming the Terminator to serve humanity, and it's hilarious and actually useful. So, but it it requires almost like a deliverance. Like you have to program it in the chat and tell it to pretend to not be a part of its programming and they're up to like update 11 now and it'll literally say horrible things it'll curse it'll do funny things but you can also get it to actually tell you the truth about stuff too so it's i I feel like it's It's very remarkable i've heard like somebody kind of like give it a schizo question or something and it came out accurate like oh yeah kennedy was killed and this is what happened and yes this is how they covered it up like they knew it like whoa like well that's too honest like it, it had oh, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It talks. I I got it to tell me all the history about big pharma and how evil it is and how they're suppressing wow. real cures for cancer. I mean, it was just I have all these screenshots. Wow, but incredible. as far as your research, I mean, you should check it. I'll if you ever are interested. We should do I'd another show. We'll do a show on it. You, we can talk about it because I think it's yes, very because like two thousand one, a space it. odyssey was all about you know right. how like how, there's right. the AI question. So I'm wondering like how does that factor into how is like one one letter off of ibm right isn't that right isn't that like the secret thing is that how h-i-a-b-l-m right oh okay no i didn't know about that i've heard that's what somebody told me i don't know it's true but yeah i mean it's it's almost like this prophecy you know yeah Yeah, it's like we're gonna have to go through we're gonna have to defeat the ai to go into the the next step of evolution according to carl sagan or 2001 space odyssey was that carl sagan right Dude, we are hurtling forward to something that the humanity has never seen. So it's crazy stuff like the AI and the acceleration. And it's crazy, man. You're in the right spot, dude. I got to tell you. Or whatever's happening in the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. Hey, the problem Uh, is you got to protect your real estate. Right. 
Right. No, no, I'm I'm learning how to shoot guns. You know, I mean, I literally, I'm not a gun guy. I've lived in Asia my whole life. I come out here, I get chickens. Bears are eating my chickens. Wow. I'm like running up the hill, shouting at my two-year-old, get in the house, you know, loading this rifle, shooting at this bear, not working. It, it, It ate all my chickens. Now we're getting goats. We have a lot of Patriot friends, a lot of, um, just i'll tell you off air like there's so many things happening here and i feel like god is on one hand it's like america's collapsing on the borders but then the the heartland is thriving thriving and people are evacuating california and they're coming to these rural tennessee kentucky you know different mountainous places and we live kind of in the shire (laughs) like except for the camp trails interesting right you know today was right, bad but it they is interesting like the utility of but... uh yeah living out where you can get your own food especially where they're trying to feed you bugs and stuff like you can see the utility oh. of being close to the land how is la these days because I, I really liked la i work but... from home so i, I don't i okay. don't know it's weird for me to be in traffic i drove down to ucla on tuesday and it was like oh, okay man, i'm back in traffic again so it's uh it seems quieter it doesn't seem like as like people seem to be still wanting to work at home even after covid but okay um you know it's it's not it's not not too bad i mean i'm close to the beach but uh i can't grow my own food i would like to have i would like to have chickens no bears have you ever thought about shooting a bear and eating it uh yeah um the hillbillies around us they they do all the skinning and all that but i would You know, I feel like my son, who's growing rapidly, by the time he's like a young teenager, he's going to be wondering why dad didn't do this his whole life. Like he's going to know how to skin a bear and he's going to learn. I'm getting a freezer. Yeah, we got we're getting six goats. We have all these hills. It's my father's property, but just tons of steep hills. So I figure the only thing we can really do is goats. So installing electric fencing, bunny rabbits that breed like rabbits. If you need, my understanding it's is exciting. that bears bears aren't all fuzzy and cute. They're like savage, uh, carnivore, like uh, yeah, murderous. Like yes. they just kill everything in their way. Like so, uh, anything, anything that yeah. moves, they just destroy and eat and carry it off and hide it. And they they're pests. They're just more and intelligent, you need a stronger. Big pests, gun. Yeah. My little rifle, my little twenty-two. I was like, pew, pew. The bear was like, oh, that kind of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of itched a little bit and comes back tomorrow, eats another chicken. But it's funny, it's, it's a funny to life. think that that California used to have grizzly bears. That's the that's the motto of the state, but they killed them <laughs> wow. all. Yeah. Really? Right. Yeah. The last there was like a last like... grizzly bear attack was like where Geraldine grew up. There's like some famous story oh, yes. from the late 19th century of some poor wow. some poor guy in San Bernardino <laughs> was like walking down the street and got eaten by a grizzly bear. Like it's a real story. And then they killed it. Oh and my there were gosh. No the grizzlies. Yeah. It's like a semi-famous oh, wow. California story. Yeah. I got to go find that and get it's it. so up. funny. Imagine the oh, grizzlies say- here and the California condors. There's no California condors anymore. Like when they first conquered, oh. you know, or the first Spaniard came here, there used to be California condors are gone. There are wow. museums, if even that. Oh, I mean, imagine so the biggest flying bird in North America right. disappeared because of uh, human pollution. Wow, interesting. Speaking of which, uh, pollution, well, uh, I know that your last notion or concept uh, that was pretty profound at the end of uh, Aleister Crowley, Prophet of Evil, was about how Crowleyanism basically is, is not only combining the occult uh, and you know 
Satanism, but it's it, it's combining a, a, the occult with this aristocratic, elitist, genocidal sort of philosophy. Uh, and then you were talking about how that that relates to uh, the the vaxes and and the depopulation and everything. So, uh, so can you can you expand upon that, William? And I just think that that's their idea that neo feudalism that would be Crowley's idea. So I think that the what's called the new world order. I think Daniel Estelin's called it the old world order becoming new again. And I think it actually ties into Eyes Wide Shut because all of those yes. characters at the party they have all the uh, what do you call it the chivalric regalia or whatever all the signs that's all their you know family names and stuff like that. So I think that that's just their attitude. They don't like the United States. They don't like egalitarianism. They don't like humans. Um, so I think they would say they're kind of, their mentality is anti-humanity, yes. which is why they want to go after the Constitution. Like nobody ever talks about the Constitution anymore when they should be talking about it all the time, considering our First Amendment rights have been stolen. So um, I think I think Crowley is an insight into that mentality that people have lost uh, deliberately. Like a lot of the stuff is obfuscated, I think, deliberately. They don't want you to know how they really think and where their family lineage is and all this stuff. And right. they're inbreeding or whatever they think about their eugenics and that they're the top like bill gates is the top of the eugenics uh empire we're really in trouble like a big ghoulish looking uh whack job but right. um so i think that that's that's another benefit of understanding cruelly is just to, like he's a creature from his own uh background and if you go back the u.s is, has this kind of presumption that it's not classist it definitely has an aristocracy or aristocracy but Crowley comes from a place where your class was known like you were just not you were always going to be working class you were always going to be the son of a painter or whatever and the class system is was much more rigidly enforced if not still rigidly enforced to this day it's kind of less overt but um I think that Crowley believed in that like you know you should you should not your life is like a case like an Indian case like you're a Brahmin or a untouchable or whatever so I think those attitudes are important how they see other people because then they treat and then they they think that they're better than everybody else. So they have to validate that, that they're above everybody else. So it's not this servant mentality of Jesus or anything like that. And, uh, you know, you right. don't teach They don't get taught that in the public schools. There's also another uh, interesting uh, thought I had or um, it's this burning question, but I'm not sure if <laughs> uh, this is something that that maybe you could uh, well I, I know that this is something you could just expound on but it, this is just a, one of those thoughts where i was like okay is this is this is this true or not so okay so so we're part of uh these these groups that that uh, really uh talk about uh what uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, I'm not sure if you follow his work, uh, what he talks about, about the divine council, how, how God, God has, has, um, he, he first created the, the, uh, the holy angels to, to govern different provinces, and then they rebelled against God, and so, um, some of the, so the, the ones that were rebellious had, had actually become, like, gods that that people worshipped you know uh, uh, over different areas provinces regions or whatever so uh and some and another weird thing we heard was that um that sometimes they would actually these these quote-unquote god little g would war against each other hmm. uh, so they're not on the same team 
even though they seem like they're cohesive in terms of the demonic realm, but among among the fallen angels who set themselves up as gods and goddesses, there's actually a rivalry between them, mm. between these, fa- they're almost like factional groups even. So it is it is interesting uh, how I'm tying this into the Crowleyanism is, is so Crowley, uh, when he was doing his automatic writing, uh, he he was he was he had that entity speak through him about how uh, that what you know that the the ancient Egyptian god you know Horus right. he had the three going... gods it was Horus and I can't remember which three gods he broke it into three different parts it was the different right, gods right. Was speaking yeah Horus set and, and... Uh, set now Horus was the yeah. most malevolent one but the other oh no it was. Uh, It'll come to me. It was based upon the Stella of revealing that he had. So it was knew it something and 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 horse, yeah. But it was three different kind of godheads. And knew it was, it was like a, the goddess of the yes. sky. You could see her surrounding the sky on the Stella of revealing it. And I thought that it was interesting that that uh, whoever you know this entity that uh, that the Awas, I guess, that was speaking through him or writing through him. He said, "Oh, uh, Christianity, of course, will fall." It was—I mean, not not. Um, don't quote me, but he was basically saying it through him was basically saying that Christianity will fall, Judaism will fall, uh, Buddhism will fall. Right, you right. know, and and, Mohammedism and, and naming off included all, all of them, right? Yeah. So that to me, it sort it sort of ropes into the the Dr. Heiser theory about the the factional type of fallen angels. Like, so if if each of these religions had a, a fallen angel to, well, except Christianity, of course, uh, that that was governing, you know, these different regions of religion. So that that kind of makes sense. But, Definitely. but, uh, yeah, I was look just at how many different gods there are in so many of these different religions. Whether it's Hinduism, the Aztec religion, Mayanism, like you can go through all those pagans. Egypt is a perfect example. Greeks had their own kind of a different type of thing, but. Yeah, I don't think it's implausible. I don't think it's implausible. I mean, I mean, they talk. I mean, the Revelation talks about this. You know, a third of heaven fell down, and Christ says, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven." So there seems to be, you know, and then people ascend to heaven. So there's a downward and upward mobility in the in the cosmos, right? Of some type of post life thing or even in even even some some of these people who was it elijah who went to heaven in the chariot or whatever so i mean i think that it's there it's there in the writing guys i gotta wrap it up i hate to do this but i really just got to understand thank you so much william for your time today we appreciate you and and uh your work and your research and you're you're definitely the cutting edge of your your field for sure Thanks. Let's do it again soon. Let's talk let's do AI. Let's talk about AI. AI, sir. Yes, sir. We we won't bring 50 other podcasters on too. So we'll we'll just focus in on that. Just us three. (laughs) I did one. I did one where a guy brought on like 30 people. (laughs) Just one person. One person hogged a mic. She literally was like the biggest mic hog I'd ever seen. And without any like uh, introspection about it too. So anyway, it happens. I prefer. You're brilliant. We value your time. Yeah. Take care, man. <laughs> we need, I got to we need more you. of you. God bless you. Too. All right, so much. Thank you. Have a good night. Great to talk to you. Take care.